Welcome to episode 67 of the Breaking Atoms podcast, where we break things down to the very last compound. My name is Chris Mitchell, aka the professional pessimist, back in the house once again. I just caught a, a flashback of Mob Deep. Anyway, I know that Summit has been away from the podcast for a while. Summit is my co-host and one of my my dearest friends. He's been handling some family business and I know family business may sound a bit ominous and sketchy. People have been hitting me up. They've been asking me, have you and Summit got beef? Have you fallen out? What's the issue? Did you guys have a a, a punch up? Did you lose? What's what's happening? Um, Everything is cool with me and Summit. We are still co-hosts we still uh talk often and we're still you know dear dear friends um but i'm happy to report that summit and his wife have just had their their first daughter um their first child and hopefully it's the the first of of many you know plant the seed and let the garden grow so i want to send a massive congratulations to summit and his lovely wife on the birth of their seed um it's like exhibit said on a foundation you, you know you're living twice at the same time when you when you have a child so more life to the entire sharma family and i hope to see all of you real soon while we're on the topic of fatherhood, though, this week's special guest is someone who I met via Twitter. He is a husband, a dad, a hip hop enthusiast, producer. He actually produced for MOP, funnily enough. Uh, he's a vinyl junkie, sneaker addict, polo head, hoop fanatic, content creator, youth advocate. He's also a marriage counselor and he is the host of the Apartment 5B podcast. His name is Kill and we spoke about everything from 80s hip hop to Black Thought just rapping about girls and how he bonds with his daughter through music. So stay tuned for the interview and it's going to kick off after the drop. Run the track! Hey yo, we about to tear it up! Mr. Kill, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, man. No complaints whatsoever, man. So we've been in um we've been in lockdown, uh social yeah. isolating, distancing, all that good stuff for for a couple of months now. What yeah. is it that you've learned um about yourself during the time from from two perspectives? What you can do for yourself and what you can do without? Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned through this time is just to continue to challenge myself. You know, probably about 10 years ago, I got laid off and I was out of work for about eight months. And my biggest thing was, I don't want to come out of these eight months and not accomplish anything. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to just look up and be like, oh man, I watched a lot of movies or I did a lot of this. So even when the first lockdown thing first happened, it was like, all right, boom, what are my goals? Like, what do I want to accomplish? You know, okay, I want to finish two scripts. I want to, you know, finish these eight beats for this album. I want to lose 10 more pounds. Like I set up my goals for myself to kind of, you know, lead the way um, so that, you know, when I got out, uh, eventually, prayerfully, when we get out, you know, that, you know, I'll be better than what I was when I went in. Um, and as far as what I can do without, I mean, I think it's just you, you sometimes take for granted just being able to link up with people. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to get off work and go to happy hour, get off work and, you know, chop it up with your peoples. Um, like I was just telling you earlier, we just reopened my teens and it's hard to be out in my neighborhood and not be able to give hugs to all my kids and to my parents and all the people who show love. So I think what I learned that I, I need, I can't do without and what I need is just that interaction from, from other people. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, it's, it's been a struggle for us here in London too. Um, but I'm, I'm very fortunate in, in retrospect cause you know, I'm, I'm newly married. I got married in, um, congratulations. December. Yeah. Congratulations. Th- Thank you so much. And I know you're a marriage counselor too. So yeah, <laughs> we'll get onto that in a moment, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that my wife and I, we have each other because there are people 
who don't have anyone at this right. time. So it's, it's a lot to give thanks for. For the benefit of our listeners, tell, tell us where you're from and what was life like growing up for you in terms of your home, music, school and family. Right. Um, I'm originally from Philly. Um, stayed there till 92 when I went to Morgan State out in Baltimore. But growing up in Philly was love, man. It's crazy. You know, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and I'm always sharing with her about my past. And when I tell her stories, it's like, yo, it seemed crazy. Like, listening back, like, oh, I did this and I did that. But growing up, it was great, man. My mom is a jazz musician, so I don't really have the upbringing of a lot of, you know, a lot of people my age are like, oh, yeah, mom's just playing, you know, Marvin Gaye on Saturday while cleaning. I'm like hearing more Roy years and, you know, um, you know, Ron Carter and, and jazz stuff, you know, to the point I used to hate jazz because, you know, my mom's being a jazz musician. I had to go to a lot of rehearsals all the time or people rehearsing in my house, not even understanding how dope that was at that time, because by the time 84 hit, I was just hip hopped out. So that's all I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear no jazz or nothing like that. So, I mean, my bringing to Philly was great. Wouldn't change a thing. Um, you know, Philly made me the person I am today, you know, so definitely a, a, a wonderful childhood, a wonderful family setting. Um, yeah, it was just dope. I've got a question for you as mm-hmm. someone from from London. Oftentimes I hear about in terms of the East Coast, there's a mm-hmm. New York bias. Um, and when people think East Coast, they think New York. Um, right. But sometimes Boston may get overlooked or <laughs> Philly. Is, is, is it actually true Like being from Philadelphia, oh. you, you might get overlooked? No, definitely. Like, I mean, when hip hop was really going hard, you know, everything was New York City, you know. So, I mean, you have your New York bias and then you have an East Coast bias, which are actually two different things. On Twitter, I get accused of being East Coast bias (laughs) all the time because I don't know a lot of the down south or the Houston rappers and and everything like that. So it's definitely an East Coast bias, but it was definitely a New York bias. I mean, even back in 86, 87, like when Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince were coming out of Philly and Steady B coming out of Philly, it was that fight with New York to kind of prove that we were dope enough. I had family who lived in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. So every summer from first grade to eighth grade, I would go spend the summer with them. And by the time I'm in fifth grade, hip hop is crazy right now. And I would always just get teased like, oh, y'all got Will Smith and parents don't understand. Y'all don't got no dope rappers. So I know wholeheartedly that New York bias you know, was there of if it ain't from New York, then, you know, it's just, it's not there. And it's crazy because it's a book, um, God, um, what is the name of this book? It's called Ain't No Half-Stepping. And um, it's about, it's written by um, Claude Paradise Gray. Um, and it's about this club in New York called the Latin Quarters, which was like the I've biggest heard, yeah. I've heard of it. club back then. And it talks about in the book how Jeff and Will would come up from Philly and like tear the Latin Quarters down every time and it's just crazy to now read this years later you know because again my, my friends in brooklyn would make fun of me for jazzy jeff and the fresh prince but they used to come to the land quarters and, and tear it down you know what i mean so it that new york bias is definitely and, and was real even to the point when i was at morgan you know now we're in 92 now i'm 18 so i've been dealing with this bias since 10 i'm at morgan um at 18 and the first time i really saw new york people gravitate to a to a Philadelphia album really really dope was the Roots second album Philadelphia Flight. I love like, the album. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite Roots album. Me but too. that when all of New York, like all the people I knew, was like, yeah, now this is dope. Like this kid Thor Black Thor, he can rap. Like mm. we got a little love with Three Times Dope with Funky Dividend and Greatest Man Alive. That was probably like back in '89, 
But the real, like, when, when it was like, okay, we good, it was like the roots. And then by the time 2000 came, I mean, we had Beans, we had Freeway, we had Cassidy, we had State Property. So from that point in time, it, it was on and great. The crazy part about it is when I left Philly to go to Morgan, it was always about we got to move to New York to get on. We got to move to New York to get on. We got to shop our demo in New York. And it's crazy because I graduated in 97. And at that time, I had people from Baltimore talking about we moving to Philly to get on. So it okay. just kind of shows you how things shifted, um, you know, with Philadelphia. And I attribute all that to the roots. Um, you know, they're really the the spark to me in, in, in the Philadelphia hip hop. And R&B and soul world is, is the roots. I hear you. So, yeah. so for the benefit of our listeners, um, who are your who are your favorite MCs from Philly? And I know it goes without saying that Black Thought is God level. Um, yeah. Who else? Um, Beans. Beans is actually, Beanie Siegel is probably my favorite um, MC from Philly. Um, I just feel like he, you know, I feel like MCs, and this is why, like, when I'm on Twitter, I'm and even with my podcast, Apartment 5B, I'm always telling people, I'm not here to debate music. I'm here to discuss it. You know, mm. I don't want to change, I don't want to change your opinion. Like that's what happens with Twitter. It's like, oh, you think Beans is better than Black Thought? Well, let me check. Dog, I don't want to change your mind. Like if you think if you think Black Thought is better, that's dope. Like, I don't want everybody to be alike. Like, I'm 46. I'm tired of arguing with people. If this if I was 22, then yeah, let's but to me, it's like let's discuss it. Like you tell me why you think it. Then I mean I look at hip hop like women, like Maybe I'm attracted to a certain type of woman. Maybe you're attracted to a separate type of woman like that. You know what I mean? Nothing wrong with either or, but Beans to me just has more of that street, broad street bully that just appeals to me more than, um, you know, Thought. Because Thought is a dope MC. You know, probably my number two coming out of Philly. But for me, just in knowing that, it's just Beans, you know, I just, I mean, there's so many quotables with Beans. Like, I love thought to death, but it's funny on Twitter a minute ago, I did this black thought challenge and I said, yo, tell me a time when black thought actually rapped about something that wasn't a girl. You know what I mean? And <laughs> literally nobody could complete that challenge. And I, I was like, people were like, Oh, that's too hard. I was like, yo, I'm going to sit here and do the same exact challenge for common. Now common's got songs about girls. I'm like, I'm not going to include none of them songs. I came up with 15 songs, like Common is talking about this. He's talking, these are the topics. There's nothing to argue about. I did the same thing with Guru from Gangstar. Excluded any girl songs, because Guru got girl songs too. Then this is what they're talking about. I had Black Thought fans arguing over what a song was about. Star off of phrenology. One person was like, oh, it's about this. Another person was like, oh, no, it's about that. Somebody else was like, no, it's about this. I said, and this is a prime example of what I'm talking about. There's not going to be no discussion over what is Common's you know, stolen moments about. Common went on tour, somebody broke into his house, he's trying to figure out who it was. There's not going to be nobody else coming in like, oh no, Common was talking about how he, how him and his girlfriend. No, it's about one thing. And to me, that's just something Thought doesn't do. But that's just for me. I'm, I'm a dude who likes storytellers. And to me, Thought isn't really a storyteller. He's a spitter. So if you're just into that, which is cool. Somebody may be like, yo, I don't care nothing about no stories. I just want to hear MC go off for 20 minutes. Then Black Thought is your man. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's just all about what we prefer. And I think just being older and mature, and I've just learned, like, why argue with, like, dog, that's what you, if you like thick girls, why I'm going to be like, nah, you shouldn't like her. You should like the skinny girl. Like, dog, like what you like. <laughs> like. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point of arguing about that? So, I'm, yeah. I'm getting, to the, I'm getting to the point where you're at. Um, I was just literally uh, tweeting a friend of mine and I was just like, I don't have the time to kind of argue with people about stuff. And, you know, my drafts folder on Twitter 
it, it's just got so much unfinished fire in there. You know, sometimes you might see someone post something and you want to respond and you're just like, right. is this going to be worth it today? Am right. I going to change their mind? Are they right. wrong? No, it's a preference thing. Leave it alone. Right. Leave it alone. You, you, you do know how to, you do know how to uh, get people in their feelings though. I don't, I don't think you mean it. And, and that's the misconception about me on Twitter. People think like, oh, kill, you just want to press these buttons. And I'm like, nah, I'm literally, the joke about me, just my personality is I'm going to say the things that people think they just don't want to say. You know what I mean? So I know I'm not the only human being on the planet Earth who's thought, yo, Black Thought really don't rap about nothing, you know, but you, they don't want to say it because they know the pushback is going to be so bad. But my thing is, OK, well, if you believe it, well, here's the Black Thought Challenge. Give me 15 songs. And I was even helping people. I was like, here's five. Like, I'm, I know y'all don't know about reality TV. That was off of one of Jay Dilla's um compilation albums where black thought is running down like all the reality tv shows i'm like i'll give you a couple just to help y'all out like it's almost like playing basketball like i'll spot you five points like i'll give you some freebies you probably don't even know about and you still won't be able to complete the challenge and again that's no knock on thought i'm a producer i usually like rocking around no more than 90 bpms so if somebody's like, yo, Kill, I'm really not feeling your beats. I like up-paced beats. I'm not going to be offended by that because you're absolutely right. I don't make beats that are like 98, 99 BPM. So I totally understand it. So again, it does, my beats don't have to be for everybody. So prayerfully, if Thought ever hears it or sees it or whatever, it's not like, oh, this dude dissing me. Like, nah, not at all. I think Thought is one of the dopest spitters in the world. He may be the best spitter, period, ever in hip-hop. You know what I mean? But... You know, just for me, I just, I just prefer Beans. But, I mean, you got Beans, you got uh, um, Black Thought, Will Smith. Will doesn't get enough credit because... Not at all. Not at all. Random you fact know, about Will Smith, actually. His, uh, the second album, uh, yeah. he's the DJ, I'm the rapper, was recorded at Battery Studios in Wills in London, in which is yep. 10 minutes from where I live, or used to That's live. Free. So, That's um, yeah, we're, we're, I don't know, we're kind of connected in that weird way, but I remember learning that, and I was like, oh, my God, like, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff was, like, in Wilsdon, it was it was crazy to me at the time. Yeah, it's crazy because Jive Records, their label, they wanted to record everything in London where their studios were. So a lot of the um, Jive acts, Houdini, um, even Steady B. I was just reading this interview with Tab Money, his former DJ, about getting caught up in customs and trying to get over there. So yeah, that that's yep. Jive Records, their studios are in London. So yeah, but that's that's dope. But I mean, people look at Will as you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air and the actor Will, and parents just don't understand. I came up in the 86 era of Will Smith, and I'm sure being from Philly, I heard um, more about it through the streets of just him being a battle MC and just battling people. Another MC who was on his label, Steady B, there was a time when Steady was on the radio talking shit, and Will, like, drove right up to the radio station and battled him and won, you know? So a lot of people don't know those stories about Will, so I totally understand when people are like, Will Smith, were Like, summertime, I'm like, bro, like... You got to go back to the Fresh Prince, Will Smith. Like, I ain't talking about Will Smith. I'm talking about Fresh Prince ain't had a record. I mean, ain't had no movie deal, was never had no sad card. I'm just talking about And this dude was just a battle MC. Um, I always give props to my man Tracy Lee out of Philly. Pause that um, thought. Do you know, I saw your tweet this week um, when you were talking about Tracy Lee. Tracy Lee, many faces, right? Yeah, yeah. If I was on a desert island, bro, that's one of the albums I would bring with me. I love that album, bro. Like, yeah. like um, it's the man with many faces. Come on, who who amazes yeah. through all phases? The one to hold it down in all cases. And I'm like, here's a guy. He had like six different personalities on yeah. one album. But the way 
he didn't just change the voice of the characters, he would change the rapping style. And I, was, I, I, look, I look at albums like T.I. versus T.I.P. And I'm just like, nah, Tracy Lee did that like years before. So just hearing right. you talk about Tracy Lee is just making me smile because, you know, Keep, keep Your Hands High with Biggie. Um, he did songs with like Busta Rhymes. That's one of my favorite albums, bro. And the, yeah, the fact that you know this dude, if you, when you speak to him, I'm going to call him when I get off the phone with you. Yeah, <laughs> tell him he's got a fan in London, and I, I was, I just, I was so gutted I had to wait so long for a follow up because Many Faces yeah. is is one of those albums for me. Yeah, and the crazy thing is um, that the second album that was coming was even crazier. Um, it just label politics. The label end up getting um, the label end up shelving it. Um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, Trey Trey is a beast, and it's amazing to me because I, I had known about Trey back in '91. I mean, I don't think Many Faces came out to like '98. It was '97, so I, I think. '97. So I knew about Trey six years earlier because my old head went to Howard with him, and they ran together. And I mean, I'll tell you this about Tracy Lee: he was actually before the Roots. I had his demo, and I gave I was like like passing it around Morgan and letting people listen to it. And the New York dudes was like, "Yo, who is this?" Like, and I was like, that's my man from Philly. Like, so really, Trey deserves the props for for that because New York dudes was loving Trey. And I mean, Trey was, when he was at Howard, he was like a god already. Like, they, they I mean, literally, him and his crew, One Step Beyond, was just crazy. So, I mean, it's amazing to me to this day that, like, I can literally call one of my favorite MCs. Or, like, one day he was over here getting a haircut. Like, and I'm like, yo, this is so fucking crazy. This, that, is, this is nuts. Like, I'd love to speak to him. Yeah, we could connect that, bro. We could connect that. When we get off air, let's do whatever we gotta do. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually um, helping him promote this new single now. He's got with this remix contest. So I mean, it's a dream come true. Like I mm. tell my all the time. Like imagine if you, like my wife is a huge Mary J. Blige fan. I'm like, imagine if you could just call Mary on the phone, <laughs> like, like just out the blue. Or like Trey called me, like when this all this COVID stuff happened. Like, yo, you good? Just calling to check on you and the family. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> like I'm still like on some wow shit. Like wow you know like that's dope but yeah so trey and then probably the last one i would give it to my man cassidy um cassidy actually grew up across the street from me in philly like you open my mother's door and you can look down the street and see his mom's house on the other side of the street um i remember him being a young boy rhyming all the time coming to my crib rhyming over beats and everything and then i went away to college and while i was away that's when he really started get, making moves with the rough riders and everything like that and you know, I remember cats coming. I'd be home from college on the summer, like literally like 20 dudes will roll up on our block. And I'm thinking we got beef and they just come to battle him. He would he like battled. He was like to me the OG. I know he's not the OG battle rapper, but I mean, not on some old battling on wax, but I mean, like just battling throughout the city like Cassidy was a problem, you know, and, and, and cats kind of keep in mind, yo, he got, you know, he did time for that alleged shooting. So he may have done a year for that. Then he got in a car accident and like had brain damage. And, you know, so Cass look at Cassidy and like, oh, he ain't what he used to be. I'm like, bro, not too many people who have brain damage and been locked up for murder. Like not everybody bounced back from that the same. But, you know, I'm like, yo, with the same respect that we give Rakim, Rakim, I mean, truth be told, this is, again, what I mean by I'll say what most people won't say. Rakim ain't probably had a dope album out in almost 20 years, but we still respect him for what he did for the game. One problem I have with a lot of the newer generation of hip-hop is it's like, well, if you ain't dope no more, then we'll fuck with you. Like, the way I hear people talk about Cassidy is kind of fucked up because I'm like, 
niggas don't act like he was not one of the dopest people like bat walking the planet earth at a time like slaughtering everybody like come on like so those would be my five beans thought will trey lee and then cassidy Dope, dope. It's um, you don't know how much it, it warms my heart just to hear Tracy Lee, man. Like I remember, Tracy Lee is the guy. Tracy Lee's the guy. But our, our top five is probably very similar. Um, I'm with you. I don't think Will Smith gets the credit. Um, Big Willie Style is one of my favorite albums, and I feel no way. I think Just Cruising is one of the best car songs ever. Right. Um, I'm a big Black Thought fan. Illadelf Half Life is my favorite Roots album. I think I think the, um, Things Fall Apart is probably. From a musical perspective, it's probably their best. But in terms of favorite, like when um, what's that song? What's the one? Um, react, respond. I think it's called. Is it react or respond? I think that's the title. Respond, react. Yeah. Yep. When that one comes on, mate, I, t- I get I get very very different. I get very very yeah. different. Um, yeah. you mentioned you're a producer. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the producers? No, actually, before we, we we talk about production, um, for the benefit of our listeners, Kill actually produced a song for one of. I say my number three duo in hip hop, um, coming just behind Mob Deep and Outcast. He, right. he produced a track for MOP called Rude Bastard yeah. from the Foundation album. What was it like producing for MOP? And I know there was a, a bit of a mix up and you may not want to relive that, but just give us no, a brief no, no. overview it's, about it's what happened. Good. It's all good. Um, I guess it was 09. I was at a Joe Button MOP show in Baltimore and like MOP, I, I love MOP. Just like you said, like, I've always loved everything they did. So I had like 20 beat CDs on me. I was like leaving beat CDs under their car, like they promo van. I'm leaving them under their windshields. I'm giving them to their hype men. I'm, I'm giving out every CD to them. Um, and then I never hear back. That's 09. 010 Foundation drops. I'm listening to it coming home from work. And I hear the, you know, here come the pain. And I'm like, oh man, somebody else used this pain and ask it or whatever. And then the beat come on and I'm like, Yo, wait a second. I'm like, oh, they use the same sample I use. Damn. And I'm like, nah, wait a minute. Those my drums. Like, that's that's my beat. And um, at first I was like, oh, okay, somebody must have stole the beat from me and then sold it to MOP. And then come to find out, you know, um, and it's crazy. This is what this is why I, I mean when I tell people, you know, even when something bad happens, like look at try to figure out something positive out of it because I just literally went to OK player in this website. KevinNottingham.com. I remember that one. Yep. Yeah. And I and I put the story up. And I didn't I didn't think it, anybody would respond. I didn't think anybody would care. And literally, like in two days, I'm on the phone with Lazy Lays and Little Fame. Um Lazy Lays is MOP manager and Little mm-hmm. Fame of Little Fame. And you know, it was like, yo, our bad, we, you know, uh Fox, which was this girl who ran with them, she manages producers. We thought she was one of her producers, and we was gonna get the paperwork, you know. So long story short, you know. Everything got worked out. You know, fame came out, said, yo, killer's right. I didn't do the beat. I'm a producer. I would never steal another producer's beat. And that's what really sparked me getting on Twitter and sparked me getting on, you know, and starting my website, we'll make beats for food.com and doing all of that. Because prior to that, I was just using the internet as just like, you know, email and just, you know, trying to download CDs or whatever like that. I really didn't understand it's really the World Wide Web. And I mean, I had producers getting at me from all over the world, like London, Yugoslavia, like everywhere. And that was like, oh, shit, like this, you could really connect with a lot of people. And I think what made the story so dope was, to me, it's the only time I remember somebody accusing somebody of stealing a beat and the person saying, yeah, I didn't do the beat. This person did. 
You know, normally it's like, oh, Dre, Dr. Dre stole one of our beats and then Dre don't respond or Timbaland stole a beat or <laughs> Scott stole a beat. Like there are a million allegations and I, only, I think a lot of them are true too, but this was like the first time that it was like, I, 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 I attribute that J line where he says, and, um, you know, but all the hustlers, they love me to, just to see one of us make it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, like I think people were just happy for me because it's like, yo, this happened to me. Like I heard so many horror stories about how they sent somebody a beat and it ended up on the album. And, you know, back in the day, there was no internet to go to. Because if the internet didn't exist, I would, I just people in Philly would have known like rumors of, yo, yo, them niggas Jack kills beat, but because of the internet. So I think that's what made it great. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, yo, to be able to say like, I did a beat for MOP and that kind of put the battery back in my back. Cause I think at that time I've been married 10 years. I mean, I'm always going to make beats, but you know, I kind of was just making beats for fun at that point. Um, and that kind of showed me like, damn, like I made an MOP album. Like I must be good. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, it's, it's, like, it's, it's definitely one for, I mean, this is stuff you tell your kids, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's almost like a struggling actor who's about to give up and then they like get cast in like a, a like by their favorite director. And it's like, Oh, well damn, I must be kind of good if, if they put me, you know, in the role. So then that, that kind of just sparked everything. Cause without that beat, I, I, we, I, I can say this without that beat, we're not having this conversation. Cause I probably never get on Twitter. I never start a website. I don't do my podcast. Cause at that time, everybody was like, yo, well, where can we hear more beats? And I'm like, shit, what am I going to do? I, I don't know. And it was like, yo, my people like, yo, you need to start a website. You need to get on Twitter. You need to get on, you know, SoundCloud and do all these things. So it was like, I right, bet. You know, so without that situation, like I said, we're not even having this conversation. So, again, trying to just make, you know, making lemon out, making lemon. What is it? Making lemonade out of lemons or whatever the saying is like, just if you're in a bad situation, let's try to find a positive in it. Because at first it was like, damn, man, shit, you know, and then Lazy even said it. He said, you're actually getting more publicity from this than if you would have actually gotten the credit in the CD yourself. Good point. And I'm like, you're a hundred percent right. You know what I mean? You're a hundred percent right. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's that. And the crazy thing is they hear people to even know that story. Cause people to this day are like, yo, you're, you're killed from that. And I'm like, I'm amazed people still remember that 10 years ago. So again, I'm just posting on okay player, just thinking, you know, nothing's even going to come from this. So like I said, to hear people say, yo, like, no, nah, I remember that shit from like 10 years ago. I'm like, wow, that, that's dope. That's dope. So I, I, I've listened to some of your beats and I've got a feeling some of uh, I've got a feeling about the producers you love and All the right. producers you came up listening to. And I'm not going to I'm not going to drop the names just briefly. <laughs> who are some of the producers you look up to and think, you know what, these guys like I don't want to say a Mount Rushmore because it's, it's too it's it's too much hard work mentally. But who are just some of the names yeah. that come to mind straight away? Like these are my guys. I mean, Pete Rock, Primo was my number one. I was a student of Primo for years, mm -hmm. studying everything he did. Primo, Pete, Dilla is like the god to me. Like, that's the dopest hip-hop producer ever. Um, and Molly. Like, if, if, it was a, if it was a Mount Rushmore, it's definitely Molly, Prem, Pete, and Dilla. Like, those four just encompass, like, everything for me. Yeah, I hear you. It's my my, my, uh, my top five, ten is, is similar. It's uh, Premier... Pete Rock, they occupy uh, one together. Right. So depends what day you ask me. Like, you know, if I listen to if I listen to Above the Clouds on Tuesday, I'll be like Premier, and then I listen to I and I on Thursday, and I'm like, nah, it's, it's, it's Pete. I've got to put Large Professor in there as well. Um, yeah. RZA. I definitely put RZA in there. Dilla's in my top five. Um, and I, you know who I you know who I don't think gets mentioned enough in terms of like great producers is Eric Sermon. 
Oh yeah, yeah. E Sermon got some shit, man. Yeah, Eric, Eric Sermon, and all the DITC guys are a given. All for, like yeah. Buckwild, Lord, for, all of them. All yeah. Of them. Someone like me, I'm born in the early '80s, so I've got an affinity for the '90s in general. Whether it's wrestling, so you know, people ask me who's your favorite wrestler. To me, the goat is Bret Hart. I was never okay. into Hulk Hogan and them guys there just running around doing all types of foolishness. Um, right. The fashion, you know, Carl Carney and Pele Pele. Mm. That's that's my era, and it's the right. same thing with hip hop and R and B. You have a, a, an affinity from what I can gather for the eighties, right? Yeah. And I think that nineties hip hop has been romanticized to the point where people think, you know, what everything that came out in the nineties was classic. What mm. is it about the 80s hip-hop era that you love so much in, the, in particular? I mean, I think it was just, it's, it's my foundation. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's uh, you know, I fell in love with hip-hop when I was 10 years old in 1984. So that first Fat Boys album, that first Run DMC album, like I tell young people, I, I was alive when there was no hip-hop. <laughs> like wow. a lot of people can't say that. Like, yo, like... You were born and some people's parents were like listening to hip hop. Like, yo, I was born and I was, you know, six, seven years old and there was no hip hop. You know, same way I tell my kids in my teen center. Yeah, I went to college when there was no internet. They're like, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> you know, but, you know, because now you can't even imagine the world without the internet. You know, so it was just, that's, that's my foundation. Like you, when people talk about their house, you know, the foundation is the most important part. You know, it's what, 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 everything else is built on, you know? So, but I think a lot of times the foundation is where it gets not neglected, but you forget about it. Cause you'll fix your roof and fix your windows and do sidings and stuff like that. But the found, if the foundation ain't right, then everything crumbles. So for me, like the fat boys run DMC, Houdini, um, the beastie boys, like these, these are my foundation. This is what made me, you know, fall in love with it. And I, I totally get why younger cats, that's why hip hop to me is such an age thing because you know, if you were born in 84 and you're 10 and 94, then you're falling in love with Wu-Tang and Nas and, and that type stuff, you know, and that's your foundation, you know, which is dope. So we all have a different foundation, but, you know, it's just, I mean, the 80s hip hop to me was so pure because the industry didn't know what to do with it yet. You know what I mean? So it literally was like, just go in there and record whatever you want to record, which to me is why we got so much great music. By the time the 90s came, record labels kind of started trying to pinpoint on okay oh that sells records or you know i remember there was a time i didn't know what compton was when nwa came out it was like yo what's compton i've never even heard of compton and why these niggas still got jerry curls like the fuck you know what i mean and then you kind of look up and then you like two years later it's a million rappers from compton you got compton's most wanted and compton this and compton that and that to me is when the record industry started understanding like, oh, okay, this group from Compton just sold, you know, 2 million records. Okay, let, let's let's get more rappers from Compton. And that's when we started getting copycat groups and everything like that. In the 80s, we prided ourselves on having your own style. Like, you know, that's why like prior to Illmatic, you really didn't have a lot of producers. You couldn't get the dopest producers, all the producers on the same album. Truth be told, the youngsters out of Philly their Aftermath album was the first album that had the dopest producers. They had KG from Naughty by Nature, who at that That's time right. was crazy. They had Premier on that album. They had P-Rock on that album. They had The Beat Nuts on that album. And they had Molly on that album. I'm mean, the one say, man, it had Large Professor too. So that album was really the first time. But prior to that, you produced for your crew. The Bomb Squad produced strictly for Public Enemy. And Eric Sermon produced strictly for EPMD and the Hit Squad. And Molly produced solely for you know, the Juice crew. And, you know, so you, nobody sounded the same because everybody's crew kind of had their own producer 
But then, you know, once Illmatic got made, it was kind of like, oh, you mean I could go out and ask this person to produce for me? And then money comes into play. And that's why we could, that kind of is what, to me, started the whole hip hop sound and the like, because now Molly's going to go produce for this person. And now somebody from Uptown is coming down to Brooklyn to produce for somebody when we didn't do that. Like, Hip hop was very territorial. Hitman Howie T produced for Chub Rock, Chub Rock and Special Ed in Brooklyn. You know, that's a Brooklyn thing. Chub Rock wasn't producing for Heavy D up in Mount Vernon. No, that was Eddie F, who was already in Mount Vernon. And Molly was producing for Queens MCs. And, you know, the Bomb Squad was producing for Long Island MCs. So that's why all our sounds was different. So that's another reason why I love the 80s so much, because you you couldn't... You know, you couldn't turn on a Brooklyn rapper and, and hear that Queen sound. You couldn't turn on a Long Island rapper and hear that Mount Vernon sound. Like every borough and every, you know, city or whatever had their own sound. So, um, I mean, that's just one of the reasons why I love 80s hip hop, man. And again, it's just my foundation. So I can never get mad. If somebody says the 90s, then nine times out of 10, I'm going to just believe you're younger than me. I, I've never met anybody who's my age and said the 90s is better than the 80s. And I'm sure... Somebody born in, you know, who's golden there is the 90s. You wouldn't say the 2000s are better than the 90s. But somebody yeah, I'm, who, I'm not that. Yeah, you know, but somebody who's turning 10 in 2000, I'm sure that, you know, their era now would be like the 2000s. So it's just, you know, all age again. To me, there's never no right or wrong answers with music. It's just about what speaks to you. Definitely. Good answer. Good answer. Kill, you are a very proud father. Yeah. Um, how many kids do you have? Just one. Just one. Just and one. You, and um, you, you, you're very proud. Uh, you take, from what I can gather, you're very hands-on, very active, very present. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the important fatherhood lessons you've learned through hip-hop culture? Oh, God, so much. I mean, from hip-hop, it's just ha having those discussions with my daughter. Um I've been working in the in the in the inner city of DC for the past 20 years. So I've been blessed to have a lot of conversations with teens and I get to see what a lot of teens are missing and I get to see what a lot of teens aren't getting. So, you know, it's almost like I had the cheat code to be like, okay, wow, no, you know, one day Naomi was in my teen center and we got a little handshake and then one of my hardest girls like started crying. I was like, What's wrong with you? She was like, Yo, you told your daughter you love her. I'm like, Yeah, what? She was like, Nobody ever told me that. And I'm like, yo, stop playing with me. And she was like, yo, I'm dead ass. Nobody's ever told me that. And I'm like, shit, like, nobody ever told you they love you? So it, it, it's things like that. Or, you know, when she was just, when they was just learning how to tie her shoes, I'd be like, yo, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Like, because my kids would tell me like, yo, their parents never told me they were proud of you. So I almost felt like, yo, I had like the cheat code <laughs> um, to kind of be able to see behind the scenes and see what kids are missing and to make sure she got it. And as far as hip hop, I mean, literally from the day she came home from the hospital, I've been playing hip hop for it. Like from bath time, like I'm playing going off. Every time, every day I would give her a bath, I would be playing a classic hip hop album for her to hear. So Long Live the Cane, Going Off, Ultra Magnetics, Critical Beatdown. And I mean, that was literally from the day she came home to the hospital. She's 14, about to be 15 now. And it's the same exact thing. You know, we have Daddy Daughter digging where I'll play her the original sample and then a, two different groups who use the same sample and she'll pick which um, one she likes better. When she turned 11, I think she could ride in the front seat. So we do a little segment called the front seat where she'll play me some of her music and try to 
school me to some of the artists she likes and I'll play her some stuff and school her to my artists. So it's just part of our relationship is just music and bonding over that. And I think a lot of that goes back to, like I said, my mom's is a jazz musician. So that's kind of how we bonded over music, especially once Low End Theory dropped and, you know, jazz became a huge like staple in hip hop, you know, and, you know, um, on verse from the abstract tip is like, yo, Ron Carter on the bass. And I'm like, mom, you, you, you've ever heard of Ron Carter? And she's like, you mean this picture of me and this guy that's been sitting on the piano for all these years? I'm like, oh, like, so once jazz became infused with hip hop, then like that just kind of took me and her relationship to another level. Cause I'm digging through her crates, looking for jazz samples and asking her more stuff about jazz artists. So just trying to emulate the same relationship I had with my mom, with my daughter. Okay. Love that. I love that. I've got a niece and nephew, uh, twins, uh, 10 no. years old. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what am I? I'm, I'm the hip hop uncle. Right. How am I going to introduce, how am I going to introduce them to hip hop music? Cause they can't play and I can't play into the Wu-Tang for them. I, right. I can't be playing no NWA for them, but you know, I'm, right. I'm in my head. I'm putting together some ideas. It's definitely going to be some, some Diller in there. Yeah, um, definitely. Even, even if it's just some of the instrumentals, um, and I'll definitely put some tribe and some far side in there. You know, stuff that's stuff that's got a bit of a groove, but it's not going to have their mum be like, "What is this?" and why are right. you polluting their brains? Right. You know, you talk about your your front seat segment with with uh, your daughter. Is there any? Okay, let me let me frame this again. Are there any are there any albums or artists that she's recommended to you, and you've been like, "Oh, this is." No, this is this is pretty cool, and you've become a fan of that artist as a result. I have, um, and it's crazy. It's this shorty named Queen Naja. She's like a YouTube phenomenon, and I I don't even know if she has a record deal, but she was big on YouTube. Um, and one day she was playing it for me. I was like, "Yo, I like this show. The production is crazy," and it was crazy because. I'm from Philly, so I got this big beard. So I'll follow people on Instagram or whatever, just if they got a beard. And around the same time, I started following this dude, Clarence NYC, um, just because of his beard. And she was like, yo, what you following Clarence for? I'm like, how you know this dude? And she was like, oh, that's Queen Naj's boyfriend or whatever. So it just kind of connected. And it was like, yo, Shorty is real dope. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, my biggest thing is I want to keep my ear to the streets. You know, somebody recently told me on Twitter just the other day, said something like, you know, you're a hip hop scholar when it comes to your era, but you know, you don't you you don't open up to these new artists. I'm like, bro, that's nothing could be further from the truth. I got a rack of new artists that I love. I love keeping my ear to the streets. I work with kids, like, you know, so there's no way that I don't keep my ear to the streets. But definitely Queen Naja and she just went out and proud father moment brought her first piece of vinyl um with her own money, which that was, says that a was lot. my um that was my next question actually. I, yeah, saw, I and, saw that picture. It was dope. It was dope. Yeah, and she brought Tyler Creator's album, um, which is even doper. He responded to her, and I she like, yeah, she like had a huge fan out moment and was crying and everything, which was dope. But you know, she's gonna definitely try and sell me on Tyler because I've never heard anything about him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, Nas said in a in an interview a while ago, somebody said, "How do you keep up with all the music that's out?" And he said, "Yo, if it's dope enough, it'll find its way to me." So. That's kind of like what I've been living by for like the past 10 to 15 years. Like, yo, it, it's so many rappers, like everybody raps. So it's like, there's no way I can keep up with everybody. And I'm like, if it's dope enough, it'll find its way to me. If it's dope enough, enough people will tell me about it. I mean, when Drake first came out, I was like, ah, he don't look like no dope rapper. But then, you know, I had hood dudes telling me about Drake. I had people in church telling me about Drake. I had, like, I had every demographic of my circle telling me about Drake. And I was like, all right, let me check this dude out. Cause literally everybody. So that's what I mean. Like if it's dope enough, 
it'll make its way to me. Enough people haven't told me about Tyler, so I've never heard anything, but she's definitely going to try to sell me on Tyler with this Igor album. So, you know what? I would. Um, I'm not. The, I'm not the biggest fan of Tyler the Creator myself, but I've heard some recent stuff from him that you might like. Um, okay. He he was featured on uh, Pray for Paris. Oh, West Side okay. Gun. Yeah, um, and he's also on the new Freddie Gibbs album. So hearing Tyler over an Alchemist beat was very interesting, and okay. I like. And I liked. I'm like, oh, you know, like Tyler's like rapping, like rapping, rapping. It's not, no, right. like, it's nothing off the wall and, you know, shock value. I'm like, oh, he's actually rapping. I, I've never really heard that side of him before. Um, okay. not, to, not to say that he hasn't, but I would definitely, I'll send them to you after this. All right, I'll send them to you. I think, you, I think you'll dig it. And she's definitely trying to sell me on her. That shorty her. I'm oh, a, I'm she's a, dope. She's dope. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, is I'm at my teen center and my homegirl is just playing stuff on her playlist or whatever. And every song that I'm like, yo, who's this? She was like her. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So I'm a big Summer Walker fan. So we like, I always try to find ways to kind of do a, a battle between us. So I'm like, I'm Summer Walker. She's her. Like, let, let's battle like with that, you know, or even with your niece and nephew. One of the things that I had doing with Nay when she was young is just writing rhymes, like writing, writing out your emotions. I'll never, and I, I'll send this to you because it's the cutest thing ever. She, she had to be in daycare. So we're talking five years old and i'm playing a beat in the studio and her room is next door and she's like writing this rhyme and it turns into this thing called never about like a little girl who was like bullying her at daycare and like she wrote a diss song at like four <laughs> called <laughs> never like over there and when you hear the beat the beat is crazy like the beat is an mop smash your head through the walls and she's she came up with like a whole verse like about never so you know, I think that's the dope part. Like when the kids aren't old enough to really listen to hip hop, it's like it's still being able to kind of teach them the skills of, OK, like writing down your feelings and, you know, just figuring things out like that. So that, yeah. that'd be dope, too. I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate that. Idea. I might. I might. Yeah, I'm going to give that a try. I, pre I appreciate the tip. As a father, though, Kill, um, I, I, I can imagine that you're not going to expose your daughter to any and everything, whether it's from music to film. Um, I can imagine you almost being like that, a, a type of filter. Is Or are there any artists or albums that concern you as a hip-hop dad? Who are some of the artists and the albums that you're, you're like, nope, we're not listening to this one. Nah, now, you can't, not, you're not ready for it. You know the crazy thing, bro? I'm the exact opposite. Okay. Um, so if, 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 if Nay comes home with... Um, Make the stab or brother uh, or brother Lynch hung, right? You're cool with it. No, well, I'm not cool with it. But what I want to do is discuss it with her. Okay. You know what I mean? Like everything for me is like a, I look at it like an opportunity to have a conversation about it. So like one day I was like, "Yo, what, what you listening to?" And she was like, "Oh, this Meg the Stallion song." I was like, "Let me hear." It. You know, and like we'll go through bar for bar. And I'm like, "So how you feel about that line right there?" And she like, eh, "That's a little raunchy, but that's the way people talk." And I was like, "But do you really think?" Women get down like that. So everything to me is like a teachable moment. Or one day I was on Twitter and I was like, oh, yeah, it's movie night. Me and they watch Men's Society. And people were like, yo, you let what they watch Men's Society? I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I think the hard part is that because of the internet, a lot of people my age are trying to parent the way our parents parent, parented. And we can't anymore because of the internet. For instance, if my mom told me, yo, you can't go to this party on Friday night, it's like, oh, dang, I can't go. So I'll sit in my room, do something else, and I won't hear about the party until Monday when I get to school. These kids nowadays, you can't go to a party on Friday. Guess what? They on Instagram watching people live, go live from the party. 
So now they depressed. You know what I mean? And and they can't, you know, they can't even enjoy their weekend because they not at the party or they may be at the party and they see the boy they like with another. So it's just for me, everything is a conversation piece. So even when we watch Mr. Society, we it may take us four hours to watch an hour and a half movie because we constantly pausing it. And it's like, okay, boom, Minister Society st- sets off with O-Dog and Kane coming in with the liquor, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, boom, see this how this happened? This dude just went to this store with his friend and literally walked out being an accessory to murder. You know what I mean? This dude had no idea. And guess what? He knew his friend was crazy. And I'm like, yo, you may be in the mall with your friends and you know your friend a little while and she want to steal something from the store. Now you... Now you um, getting arrested too. So I'm trying to teach her from these lessons like, yo, look at how you can maybe avoid some of these things. You know what I mean? So I won't let her just watch it by herself, but it's always to me, everything is just a teachable moment to have that conversation, to kind of be like, to have her be like, oh yeah, you know, so prayerfully, you know, if she is in the mall with one of her homegirls and she kind of knows she a thief, she'd be like, nah, I ain't gonna go in the store with you. I'm gonna just wait out here. You know what I mean? So that way she's like, okay, let me remember what my daddy told me. And another thing from being a parent, I think a lot of times what parents don't do is we don't share with our kids enough. But then the problem is, is that then our kids feel like they can't talk to us. Cause it's like, I don't know anything bad. My mom or dad did nothing. I don't know if they ever tried drugs, smoke, did whatever. I don't know. So if I'm 16 and I'm about to try to start smoking weed, I'm not thinking, oh, let me go sit down and have a conversation with my mom and dad because they wouldn't understand. On some Will Smith shit, parents just don't understand. So let me not even, so I'm not even going to do that. Whereas with Naomi, Naomi probably knows about a good 80% of all the bad shit I've done throughout the year. So she knows, yo, like, yo, my daddy will understand. Or she'll have homegirls and, you know, she'll be like, yo, daddy, can one of my homegirls talk to you because she's going through this? And I know you said you did that, da, 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 da. So, you know, I think that's what we have to do as parents. We have to be open enough to have those hard conversations with their kids. But again, I'm blessed because I've worked with kids. So I'm used to having hard conversations. The hard conversations I have to have with my kids in the hood are not the hard conversations I have to have with Naomi. You know what I mean? But I'm used to that where most parents aren't used to having conversations with their kids about giving head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's That's really nothing to me. We could talk about that all day, you know? So... Because the thing is, again, for my generation, if I didn't know what giving head was, I had to go ask my dad or go ask my mom or I wouldn't ask my mom. I'd ask my dad. And, you know, and then he could tell me or he my dad probably wouldn't tell me because he felt uncomfortable talking about sex. So then what happens? Then I go out and ask my old heads on the corner, you know, and that's how a lot of kids get bad advice because the parents don't feel comfortable having that conversation and the thing with this generation is you ain't even got to ask your parents you can ask siri if, if you if your daughter don't know what giving head is and that's what boys is talking about she can just ask siri or google good point good point you know and 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 guess what you don't want your kid to see what comes up when you put sucking dick in on google you're going to see a lot of stuff you don't want your kids to see so to me it's just it's a constant conversation i challenge parents all the time on twitter like Talking about your kids, sex with kids is not a one-time thing. Again, we have to stop being so feeling uncomfortable about it. Most parents feel more uncomfortable than the kids do, you know, and then the parents are like, oh, good, it's over. We never have to talk about that again. No, you have to talk about this a lot of times because you just told them about sex. You didn't talk about positions and head and disease. You just, you just nicked the iceberg, you know? So that's, so a lot of times it's the same thing I do with my kids. You know, we'll watch a movie 
you know, we sit back and we discuss the movie all the time. They're like, well, what would you have done? Or how would you have done that different? Or, you know, we watch Juice, same thing. You with your friends, you going to rob the corner store. Is that really smart? Like, what are you going to get from that? Like, what's the best case scenario? You rob the corner store, you get $400. But they're robbing the corner store to get respect from the other people in the neighborhood. But the other people in the neighborhood ain't going to know they robbed the store. So does that make any sense? Nah, you write that. So my job is just to prepare her for life, you know, and you know, prayerfully through the preparation, she'll make the right decisions. But if she doesn't, I still can sleep good at night knowing I had those conversations with her. And I think that's where a lot of parents, they can't sleep good at night because they know deep down inside, damn, I really didn't talk to them about that. Or I really didn't talk to them about this. Or I really didn't talk to them about that. Like I just, you know, touched on it, but I didn't really, you know, get in there. So and working with my kids, I've had kids that are dead, locked up. I don't have any time for what I do for regrets. So I need to make sure I got kids locked right locked up right now for murder and I sleep good at night cuz I don't have any regrets. I know I did everything I could have done to change their trajectory and they chose to still do what they wanted to do. You know what I mean? And and I think as a parent that's all you can do. Bro, let me tell you something. Man. I ain't got no kids, right? But I think you just you just you just gave me what you know, another Philly guy, uh, Gilly the Kid, a million dollars worth of game, right there in, in in that answer, man. Listen, have you have you considered writing a book? I have, man. It's just I, I just got to get the time, man. And that 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 need, I got, man. I I got a book in me. I got a couple of books in me. I've been writing scripts. That's why I've been okay. doing. But I I do want to write a book because. And again, I just want to get this game out there because I do what I do to save lives. I say that all the time, like. I don't care about the retweets of my music. I would love more retweets. But when I like, like the day I did a message on Twitter about, you know, like it's my job to tell you your house is burning down, not to drag you out. That's what I want a million retweets for because we get stressed about, you know, hey man, you should do this and you should do that. And then when they don't do it, we get mad. It's like, it's just my job to tell you your house is burning down. It's not my job to drag you out. So if I think Naomi is dating the wrong dude, Babe, I really don't think that's a good dude for you. And I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to keep harping on you every day. I'm going to tell you what it is. I can't drag you out because of me dragging you out. You're, it just makes you, if you want to stay, it just makes you put the brakes on that much harder. And, and I know for me growing up, a lot of parents didn't like me. A lot of mothers didn't like me. And their mothers telling their daughters, you can't date kill, just made them come to me that much quicker. So it's kind of like, I remember being a kid you know, and being like, damn, this mom don't like me. I ain't, yo, this girl ain't gonna mess with me. And all that did was just make them want to mess with me that much more. So I, I can't be that parent. Like, you know, people see Naomi, they're like, oh, you better get out the shotgun or we'll do that scene from Bad Boys when we scare the dude. And I'm like, that shit don't work. Niggas tried to scare me. And again, all that did was just progress shit that much faster. So I don't need no shotgun. I'm gonna talk to the young man. Like, you know, it's a different way. And again, I keep telling people the cheat code. I mean, when you work with kids and my, I work with kids, it's a life and death. Our kids are making life and death decisions every day out here now, man. You know, so if I get in this car, you know, am I going to get shot up? If I get in this car, is it stolen? If I get in this car, can my man drive? I know he's 14. He don't got no license. So, you know, we just got to prepare our kids and make sure that they're ready but what's out here instead of trying to like shield them from it like a lot of parents are like oh well they're not ready for that like a lot of people will be like oh man kill that's dope but you know my daughter ain't ready for this society quiet as kept your daughter probably already seen it quiet as kept your daughter may be doing some of the stuff in minister society like stop sleeping on your kids out here mm. like everybody wants to be like oh no not my daughter i'm like yeah nigga your daughter too like <laughs> again I don't, I don't put nothing past naomi so 
You can't be on that old, she's only 12. 12 in 2020 is like 18 in 1990. So again, wow. we can't parent the way we were parented. The same way I tell educators, we can't keep putting textbooks in front of these kids. They're on phones all day. They're technology. My kids can break into the public school systems, Wi-Fi in a, in a heartbeat, but can't spell Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't continue to do what we did 20 years ago for these kids because they're bored. You can't have a, a textbook, 400-page textbook in one hand and an iPhone in the other hand and expect this book to excite them the way this iPhone does. So we got to parent differently, you know, so. Message received, message received. Kill for all the aspiring rap dads out there who are listening to this podcast and thinking, you know what, I'm ready to get my kid into some good hip-hop music. Uh, we're going to have some fun now. Um, I, right. know, I know you can probably reel this off. We are going to put together 10 songs, right, to make a rap dad playlist. And I'm going to leave all the hard work to you because I'm not a dad. What are the 10 songs you would have on the rap dad playlist to introduce kids to hip hop music? Some of this is going to be a freestyle because when I saw the question, I thought it was more so what did I play for Naomi? Now, I mean, you can, dads could do this too. Yeah, but, I mean, you can, you can, you, know. you can include the stuff you played for Naomi as okay. well. But let, let's say this was, um, this was going to go up on Spotify. Okay. I, um, I, I, okay. And, and you were going to, you're, you're basically going to kick the truth to the youth about fatherhood in hip hop and all aspiring dads. These are the 10 songs I reckon you could use to usher your kids entry into hip hop culture. What would they be? What comes in at number 10? Oh, God. Number 10, I'm going to go with something that's very uh, generic. I'm going to go with Daughters by Nas. Good, good pick. Uh, Great song. Just because, I mean, he, he says one of the dopest lines I think ever for me in hip-hop history. You know, uh, God, you know, he takes um, all the players and the pimps of the world and he gets us back. He makes us have precious baby girls. You know, and I think that's why so many dudes don't want daughters because it's like we know how we treated women you know what i mean so it's kind of like now i gotta deal with i gotta deal with this so i think daughters um is definitely one um i'm trying to pull up this this list right now because like <laughs> the stuff the stuff i would play for nay um well you know what fuck it let's go like this yeah um, so, so you got you got uh daughters by nas number 10 what's that number I, 10? By nas, I got the message by grandmaster flash and melly mel because the thing that for me for teaching Nay about Naomi or teaching, um, in fact, people, I'm actually going back out to Cali when we're, all this COVID stuff is over. Um, one of my homeboys put me in a grant to teach hip hop to one of his classes out there. So one of the things about the one of the things I wanted to teach Naomi about hip hop is understanding the culture and how it grew. I think Melly, I think the message by Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel is one of the greatest hip hop songs ever. At that time, Melly Mel was probably the dopest MC walking the planet Earth. Um, great storytelling. The way he painted the picture of the hood um, is still relevant to this day. So that was my foundation. That's number one for me. Number two would be Sucker MCs by Run DMC because I felt like that is where it's the progression of MCing. For me to teach Naomi about hip hop and for me, in my opinion, to teach kids about hip hop, you got to teach them prog- to progression. So it's not just about, oh, I'm going to teach Naomi my favorite songs. I want to I want to get you invested in not just the the music but the culture of hip hop. So Sucker MCs, um, Run DMC's first twelve inch, incredible when it dropped in nineteen eighty three. Just drum programming, 
and just them rapping um, was to me the next level of what Melly Mel was doing. After that, I got my melody by Eric B and Rakim because at that time, nobody was rapping about Rakim. So we're still dealing with the progression of the MC um, and how at that time, you know, the story is, is like, you know, Ra was rhyming slow and Molly and Shan was recording at this time. This is Molly Mall. This is biggest, you know, producer, hip hop producer in the world. Like, nah, you can't rhyme like that. And Ra's like, yo, just leave me be. And then we see what, you know, my melody, you know, initially became and how, you know, crazy it was. Um, the next thing would be Set It Off by Big Daddy Kane. The thing that's so incredible about Set It Off, and I did a front seat, a front, a front, of front seat with Naomi on Kane Set It Off is the BPMs. I want to say Set It Off, don't quote me, maybe like 115 BPMs, which is incredible. Nobody was rhyming that fast and at that skill level, skill level is Kane. So just in those songs, we've seen the progression. Um, I'm going with New York State of Mind um, because for me, I used to always use that quote, um, sleep is the cousin of death. When Naomi was young and she would always hold my hand, as she would get older, she'd be like, you know, Daddy, do I still got to hold your hand? I'm like, yo, sleep is the cousin of death. You want to get snatched out here or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you cannot sleep out here while you're out in these streets or whatever like that. So, you know, um, that's one. Here's the here's the wild card. I, I don't want this on a Spotify because people are going to be like, kill what the fuck? Fuck the police. You know, um, that song was incredible when it dropped and it's still relevant to this very day. Maybe now even more than when they recorded it again. I know the language again for me. Here's the thing with me. I started really cursing heavy when I was 10 or 11 and 84. I'm watching Beach Street. I'm listening to hip hop. So again, I'm one of them dads. And because I work in the hood, kids curse. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to be the reason my kids curse. But I do understand that kids curse. So when kid, people be like, kill, wow, fuck the police, I get it. But then at the same token, I'm trying to break that. A lot of parents have a problem with the language because they don't take the time to talk to their kids about the language and why that language is being used and the frustration of it. So um, I need Naomi to understand, like, you know, this police thing is real. I mean, real quick, quick um, story offhand, I'm in Philly God, this had to be about six years ago. So Nay is probably seven or eight. And Mike Brown had just gotten killed in Ferguson. And I get pulled over by this cop. This cop is fucking with me. It's to the point I know I'm going to jail. My biggest worry is what's going to happen to Naomi. I'm in Philly. My wife is in Maryland. Like, are they going, who takes Naomi? And eventually, you know, after the cop fucking with me for two hours, he lets me go. I drive a mile. I pull over. I break down crying. And Naomi's like oblivious to this. She's got her headphones on. She's reading a book. She's good to go. And I look back and I say, God, thank you so much for giving me a daughter. Because if I had a black son, I would have to explain this to him right now. And I was like, I'm good. And the next year, Sandra Bland gets killed. And it lets me know it doesn't matter if you're a black man or a black woman. You know, these cops are out to kill us. So to me, Fuck the Police is definitely a very important song to talk to our kids about. Uh, but I could understand why I won't make the Spotify playlist. Um, another song is Kendrick Lamar's All Right. Um, I love K-Dot. Again, the progression of an MC um, and just a message that's in All Right. And I want to say that's nine. If I got to go with one more song, I would probably say J. Cole's um, guy. What is the name of this real quick? Give me two seconds. I'll pull it up off my phone. I'm going to go with J. Cole's. What is the name of this joint? Um... J. Cole, J. Cole, damn, you figure y'all get through my iPhone a bit faster. 
um, Wet Dreams. And the reason why I love Wet Dreams off of the two, uh, the 2014 Forest Hill Drive Out. I love that song. It's a great story. Yeah. It, it's just the story that so many dudes have been through. You're talking shit to your girl. Yeah, I'm going to do this <laughs> to you. I'm going to do that to you. And the dude's a virgin. You know what I mean? So uh, I play that song, you know, for my kids just so that they kind of understand and they kind of get that, you know, you don't have to, you know, just being honest with each other. Like if you do want to, I always teach my teens, like once you start playing sex, sex is a grown up game. Once you start playing that game, there ain't no going back to being kids. So once you start playing that game, you know, it's a serious game and y'all should at least be honest with each other. I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. Let's figure this out together versus it being, oh yeah, I'm going to blow your back out and I'm going to do this. And you don't know what you're doing. And she's talking about, yeah, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And she don't know what she's doing, you know? And um, so, yeah, those will be the 10 songs. I know they kind of out there. And again, no, I, I understand as a parent that I'm a certain personality, but this is why I'm challenging parents to step out of your comfort zone of, you know, I really don't, oh, come on, kill. Like, I've had parents say, I don't really want to talk to them about that kill or come on, kill this early. And again, I'm just trying to, it's my job to tell your house on fire. It's my job to tell you I have sixth grade girls having head party. Sixth grade. That's what, 12. So, what, okay, I was going to ask you what age is that? Because in the UK, I think it's a bit different. Yeah. So that's yeah, 12. That's, okay. That's 12. So we're talking about, that means they are 12-year-old girls just telling random dudes to come over and we'll just give you head all day. This is going on at 12. So it's my job to tell you that because in your mind, I would be thinking, shit, at 12 years old, I was still playing with G.I. Joe. So mm. I don't have to talk to my kids about sex. Yes, you do. Because, again, this is no longer 1988 when you were 12 years old. This is a whole new 12 years old. Right. Like, so, again, you know, it's just my job. And, and as parents, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You can't feel comfortable with raising a kid because again we're calling audibles out here every day there's something new for a minute ago there wasn't a snapchat a minute ago there wasn't an instagram a minute ago there wasn't whatever the next app is going to be so we are always calling audibles on raising these on on raising these kids and i want to make sure you know my one of my homeboys told this to me once a heroin addict i always tell people i get some of the greatest advice from the people who you would not think give great advice a heroin addict told me once kill you either pay now or you pay later. But when you pay later, it costs so much more. That right there changed my life because it's the premise of, hey, pay your cable bill on time or you can pay it later and it's just a late fee. But nigga, you're going to pay the cable bill if you want your cable. So you can either have, talk to your kids about sex now or you can talk sex, talk to them about it once they're pregnant and now you, you're a grandparent. So you can talk. You're you going to talk about it. The conversation is going to be had. Mm. It's just... Do you want to do it now when it's cheaper or do you want to do it later when now you got a grandkid to raise? Mm. So the conversation is going to happen eventually. It's just pay now or pay later. You're going to pay. I hear you. you. Know? I hear you. And I'm very, I'm very glad that this conversation happened. It's been a, I've had a, I've had a stressful day kill. Um, and it's just been good to just end the day talking to, you know, one of the, I, 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 is it disrespectful if I call you one of the elder statesmen? Nah, nah, yeah. brother. I love, I love brother. I, when people call me old, like that's an insult. I'm like, nigga, was I supposed to get shot in my head when I was 20 and die? Like, <laughs> no, yo, it's, it's, I, it's, it's dope. Just to, it's, it, it means a lot to me to speak to someone who's not just active in hip hop culture and who's, who, who's lived it, but someone who, you know, as someone like me, you know, newly married and, you know, you do think about these things, you know, like children at some point and all these kind of things. And it, um, just talking to you is kind of giving me, it's almost been like a crystal ball. In the sense that, oh, am I going to be like that? 
as a mm. you know what what are the gems I can take from the conversation? What can I add to? What you know what are some of the things in maybe a, a few years I can come back and share with you and say, yo, look, I learned this, and you know it's 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 dope, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. But before you go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media? That's um you know Twitter, your Facebook, or whatever. And let us know what you got coming up because I know you're you're a busy man with music and whatnot. So you know, plug away. Yeah. No doubt. Um, on Twitter, it's KillAPT5B. Um, so Kill Apartment 5B on Twitter. On IG, it's KIL889. Um, my website is WillMakeBeatsForFood.com. Everything I do is up there. It's a one-stop shop. So every I do a podcast, Apartment 5B. So every Monday, we have a new app up. This week, we were talking about... What are we talking about this week? This week, we were talking about putting rappers in categories because it all started with Black Thought. Because people think... Because I said Black Thought isn't a storyteller that people think I don't like Black Thought. And I was like, there's nothing could be further from the truth. I equated it to the NBA. Like, the point guard is my favorite position. So mostly all my favorite players are point guards. There's no disrespect to Michael Jordan and Kobe, who were two guards. And no disrespect to Shaq, who was a center, or Tim Duncan for a power forward. But I just like point guards. So I was trying to use that analogy to get people to understand that just because I don't Black Thought isn't one of my favorite. Doesn't mean I don't like him and respect him. I just like storytellers. So we were trying to, we picked five of our favorite rappers and then we just were like, well, what category do they fall in? Are they a spitter? Are they a storyteller? Are they an MC's MC? Are they a conscious MC? Are they a cocaine trafficking MC? Um, So we kind of just come up with different things. And the one thing that I can say I'm really proud of with the podcast is we never repeat topics. We have over 200 episodes and the only time we repeated a topic is if it's like a part two or a gotcha. follow up. But, um, you know, because people on Twitter are like, oh, I'm sick of Twitter. All, we, all y'all talk about is Illmatic all day. I'm like, bro, bro. come, come bro. talk. Yeah, come come over to our podcast. We do not repeat topics. Oh. And the beautiful thing is, is that the topics come from Twitter. You know, yeah. that's exactly where they come from. Like, yeah. whatever shit I start on Twitter this week, I'm like, boom, there's your topic. You I, know, I, I'm, so, sick of, I'm sick of talking about Illmatic, man. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I made, I made the joke the other day that if Twitter banned the word Illmatic from like ever being used, like 80% of Twitter would just like sign out of their account. <laughs> we wouldn't talk about it anymore. But you know what it is? It's like, for me, I can only speak for myself. You know, I understand the greatness of the album. I know it's cornerstone. It's like, you know, you go to university or college and you have a required reading list. Um, mm-hmm. I think hip hop, I think in terms of hip hop, Illmatic is required listening. Like, you have to you have, look. It's not even about whether you like it or not. You have to listen to it at least a few times. It's like a rites of passage. But I'm like, guys, can we talk about you know who can I talk to about Focus Daily by Defari, or right. who can I talk to about King T? Like right. you know, it's I don't want to sound like a snob, but you know we can talk about this. However, yeah. I'm going to yeah. say this though. You need to. I want to come up to your podcast one day, man. B, you are invited on any time. I'm we coming do- through. We, we do it on StreamYard. Shit, if you're not busy Thursday, stop through. What are we talking about Thursday? Oh, Thursday's a good conversation. My man hit me. Kill us. Tony Braxton, the legend. I was like, I don't really know. I don't know. I said, well, first we got to come up with the criteria of what a legend is. So what we're all doing is we're coming up with a, a rapper or R&B singer who we feel is a legend. We're writing down what makes them legendary. Then we're going to combine all those things to come up with like six core things that a legend should have. And then we're going to have some names that we throw out like, OK, is this person a legend based off the criteria we just met that we just made? Send me the link. I'm on it. All right. I would, bet. Lo- no I, would lo- I would love to join you guys. No doubt. Now, yo, bro, we could wait until the recording is over 
you want me to hit Trey real quick so you can speak to him? Um, what, right now? Yeah. Let's, let's do it. All right, let me see if he picks up because he just hit me back. Tech, <laughs> let me see awesome. if he picks up. So, for the benefit of the listener, Kill's actually calling Tracy Lee. Um, this is huge for me, by the way. Massive Tracy Lee fan. Let's hope he picks up. Yeah, you have just reached Tracy Lee. I'm sorry, I'm unable to take your phone call right now. So if you need your name, number, and a brief message, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Overall, as well, I have a great day. At the tone, please record your voice message. When you are finished recording, you may hang up or press pound for more options. What's going on, good brother? Yo, I was just still on line with the brother from London who I was telling you about in the text message. Just wanted to try and get you on here live on the podcast just so we could rap with you. Um, if you get this message, just hit me back whenever you get a chance. All right, good brother? I rap with you. Yeah, my fault, man. I was hoping he, so just hit me, he just hit me back like, yo, London, that's a blessing. Tell him I said thank you for rocking with me throughout the years. So he, he definitely, you know... You know, wanted definitely say thank you for rocking with him, man. No, I so, appreciate it. If, if, if I can get him on Breaking Atoms, I want to do a full breakdown on the Many Faces album. I, oh, I've got to do that for me. Bro, I'll, I'll connect y'all. As soon as we get off, I'll connect y'all on Twitter. He'll he'll definitely do the podcast. That's, I appreciate, that, I appreciate that's it. Nothing. Thank you. That's, that's and Kill, one, Kill, once again, thank you so much for your time. And, um, you know, you're a friend of the show. Um, And, you know, anytime you've got anything to promote... You can always rely on our platform to, to, to share the news, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for the knowledge. Thank you for the passion. And thank you for what you're doing for, for the young people, even though it's young people on the other side of the world who I, who I may never meet. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we're planting seeds and the garden's growing. So thank you so much. No doubt, good brother. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate the invite. And I'm going to hold you to Thursday too, man. No, I'm there. I'm there. Look, I, I, I'm not here to debate either. I just want to discuss. Yeah, now I know the time is off because we, we record at 9, so I don't even know what time that is for well, you. That's like, so two, I, that's like 2 a.m. We're going to have to talk about the time because I, yeah, we'll, I, I, we'll, I might wake the wife up. No, no, no. You know what we'll do? We'll have, um, I do podcasts like on Saturday and Sunday during the day. So maybe we'll do a Sunday podcast like at 3 in the afternoon our time. That's perfect for me. All right, bet. All we'll right. do something like that. We'll talk. All right, good looking out, brother. I want to big up Kill for joining the Breaking Atoms podcast. I really enjoyed the interview. It was a pleasure speaking to him. It was like um, catching up with one of my OGs from back in the day and just, you know, having a chance to reason with people and talk about life. And after that conversation, I felt I felt a lot better. Um, I've got to be honest, before that conversation, I was feeling a bit down, feeling a bit angry about the state of the world. But that conversation really lifted my spirit. So once again, big up to Kill for taking the time out of his schedule to chop it up with Breaking Atoms. We'll be back next week. Um, once again, I don't know who's going to be on the show next week uh, we'll probably uh we'll, we'll just see how it goes we'll just take a roll of the dice and like i said last week we you know we're, we're winging this thing as we go along but we're having fun while we're doing it uh remember we are on the socials you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at break the atoms please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app of choice whether that's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify spreaker uh what's the other one um cast box um, there's a few more. Tune in, Stitcher. Have I said Stitcher? Probably. If not, Stitcher. And um, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, Breaking Atoms. We have a, a brand new website. So go to www.breakingatoms.co.uk and check out all the stuff we're doing. We're not just doing podcasts, but we, you know we're working with other clients on marketing strategies, digital stuff. You know, a lot of fun stuff is in the work. So head over to the website and um, let me know what you think, man. I'm, I'm I'm accessible, and like I say, you know, you can hit me up. 
I might listen, I might not. But you know, take a chance. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.